Hello, and welcome to Our Trumpet Life, a podcast focused on teaching, learning, and sharing all things trumpet. Today, we wanted to talk about networking and strategies to go about doing that. So first, we're going to go around and introduce ourselves, and then we'll get into the topic. Yeah, uh, I'm David Moore. I'm out here in Greeley, Colorado, finishing up my DA at the University of Northern Colorado. I'm Derek Watson, uh, finishing up my DA as well, same place, Greeley, Colorado. I'm Chris Navret. I'm also finishing up my DA, and I'm in California, Chico, California at the moment. I am Benjamin McCarthy, and I just finished, actually I graduated in May, DA as well, and yeah, so I'm in, I'm in Virginia right now and looking for work. You think you're better than us just because you finished? Yeah, I was trying to think of a way to phrase it without making it, because I went last, without making it sound like I was gloating. <laughs> I see what you did. All right, well, hopefully our listeners get a glimpse uh, into what being friends with Ben is really like. And how apparently not to network with your friends, so. <laughs> There's always one. There's always one in There's each group. There's always one in each group. Yeah, we like to start off with a lesson here. <laughs> so as Ben said, we're going to talk about networking today. And that entails a lot of different things, I think. What do you guys, what does it mean to you? What does networking mean to you? Building relationships in a professional way. I'm going to throw the ball in other people's court, but for the, for the most part, fundamentally, it's building relationships to in a work environment in a professional way. I would agree with that. I think sometimes that can extend even further into friend-like relationships, especially in like the jazz world. You make a lot of connections, a lot of networking is done at jam sessions and, you know, many of the people you meet there end up becoming friends and you work together later or do future projects. But yes, I, I think for the most part, I completely agree with you, Chris. Yeah. I mean, really to add to that, I'd say that networking is truly just building relationships with anyone that you've been in contact with because it doesn't even have to be a musician that might hire you for a gig. So, you know, like wedding gigs. True. So yeah, I'd say that, you know, networking truly is just developing a reputable professional persona with the people that you know. So then question is what kind of professional do you want to be? What kind of professional do you guys want to be today? Or what kind of person do you want to be today? Thoughts? It's a good question because that really is what it comes down to. Is what kind of, how you're going to treat other people, what kind of person you're going to be. And that's going to influence how well you do at marketing. I mean, if you really want to be the guy or girl with a terrible ego problem and you just want to be a bully, then you're going to have to be real, real good. You're going to have to be real freaking good. And often, even then, it's not going to matter, you know? Um, and so you have to balance that that type of thing. And if you just focus on being overall a good person, being prepared, knowing your music, having all your equipment, being nice to the people you play with, then things are going to work out. I don't know if anyone else has anything on that, but I kind of was wanted to open up with a question that is, when should we start networking in our career, in the grand scheme of things? When do you start? I guess the reason I bring this up is because you often will hear 
and I've felt this myself, maybe you guys have felt this too, that this insecurity of I need to practice and I need to get better before I start networking. So what do you guys think of that? When do you start networking? Do you put in a bunch of practice? Do you just start right now? To be honest, I think that you begin the networking process as soon as you enter school. I mean, that could even be as far back as as high school. I mean, you see cover bands play all the time and everyone and half the people in the band were friends back in high school. So, I mean, that's technically a form of networking. It started then, you know, as building relationships that last over time. But I mean, we see it in undergraduate recitals. You know, the the person giving the recital may not necessarily be surrounded by the top players in the program. They're it's more likely that they're they're close friends or they're fellow students that are around the same age. So, you know, I mean, like like look at us. Like we first started off by networking, getting to know each other, and we're really good friends. But you know, I you know if I got a gig I can't make. You guys are always the first people I call uh, to if I, if I need a sub or something like that, or if I need to hire a second trumpet player. I mean, you guys are it. So, I mean, and part of that is your level. Like, if, if you guys just totally sucked, you know, there's probably some gigs I wouldn't call you for, but you guys kick so much butt on the bandstand, so it's it's not really something I have to worry about, and you guys are easy to work with. I mean, right now networking first impressions are huge and that's always been a fear of mine because you you want to sound great you you want to sound your best the first time anybody hears you or talks to you and for the longest time I'll admit I you know was under a rock I stayed under a rock for that reason because I knew that I wasn't quite to the level that I wanted to be portrayed as into the professional world and I was working towards it you know but as I've gotten older a lot of it is you need to just pull that trigger. You need to get to know people. So much of networking and and jobs in the future really come with how you carry yourself in the current present, how professional you are, how well you work with people. So I, to answer your question, Derek, would be now. I think networking is more is just as important following up with new people that you meet as well as meeting new people and having a balance of that. <laughs> Making sure that you're a really good trumpet player or whatever profession you're in, but also just being a just a good, solid person and taking care of your business. Take care of your business, like being able to, to do that. That's kind of my take on that. What about you, Ben? I think that this concept of withholding networking because of whatever unpreparedness or uh, level of play. It, it really comes back to this concept. And that is if you're trying to make it in this business, how you portray yourself in a professional situation can make or break you. And especially like you said, Chris, first impressions are everything. So unfortunately, you know, if you're young and you show up to a gig unprepared and you're unprofessional, that's going to have lasting impacts on those people for the rest of your career, unless you can somehow rectify that in the future. So it's kind of twofold here. I think that if you're serious about networking, then you got to get serious about your, your professionalism. And in that 
case, I would say as soon as possible, get to that state where you can be networking and being professional. Mistakes happen. That's not what we're discussing here. Obviously, you know, mistakes are going to happen on a gig. Everyone experiences that. It comes down to, though, your professional and your level of preparedness. And if you can approach a gig in that way, I say start networking as soon as you can because those are relationships that you build over time. And like Chris was saying, you may move from one area to another and not have an opportunity to build those relationships in the immediate future. And so having them already established and being able to come back to them, I think it's just crucial. The sooner you can get to a point where you can exhibit professionalism, you should begin networking. Right, Ben, I think you bring up a good point when you say you don't have that doesn't mean you have to be playing everything perfectly and that you have to be able to play everything that comes across your stand. I mean, it's a development process and depending on where you are in that, you might have a ways to go. And but the professional side, you can still act professional and do your best to be prepared while still working on those skills. I mean, we're all working on that still and always will be. And that's where I think another important aspect of of networking and professionalism is just is humility, knowing that you're not always going to be putting your best foot forward. It just doesn't work that way. You're not always going to play your best whenever you want to, you know, and being able to be humble about that sort of thing and also be very accepting of your colleagues when that happens with them, too, is only going to help. And, and that, you know, again, it goes back to being a good person. You know, if you are accepting and offer help or are just understanding of someone else not playing their best, they're going to be the same way with you. And it's not that you shouldn't be prepared, but even if you are prepared, you're not just not always going to play your best. And you might be playing something that is very difficult for you. So that's just, you know. I, I, ben, you brought, kind of brought that up, but I, th- I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So what are some strategies that you guys use for networking? You know what? A simple one that I think a lot of people overlook, and you'll hear excuses about this all the time, is remember people's names. Hell yeah. Write it down. <laughs> if you have an issue with names, I certainly do. And there's a lot of bands that I have played with where I know, like, I'm maybe I'm a sub, and I play with them one, two, three times a year, I will write their names down in my phone on notes or some program that all of our phones have with the name of the, with the instrument that they play, and I will I will always try to keep that. And then when I go to play with them again, I look at it, and you know they're gonna remember your name because you're the one person coming in, and if you can. Write down their names and any other thing you know about them. Maybe ask them about their job. Ask them about their family if they say anything about it. It just helps you build that relationship. And and I don't think that you should think of this as being some sort of cheat or hack or you're just kind of playing the system. But you again, if you only see them a couple times a year, it's hard to remember that. It doesn't necessarily mean you don't care. And they won't think that you don't care if you forget. And that's, I mean, that's another side of it is just saying, hey, man, I, I forgot your name. What's your name again? 
they're going to understand. But but being up front and trying to remember their names is super important because that is really what's going to help you build that relationship. You just can't build a relationship if you don't remember their name. And if they ever find out, you're just going to look like a fake. So that that's my first tip. I don't want to take all the tips. So anyone else got a hot tip? I think another one is that's so fundamental, but be on time, you know, <laughs> or be there early. early. Yeah. You know, your time, time is such a huge respect thing. It's valuable to everybody. So if you show them that you're there, uh, because we've all been on gigs, we've all been on those gigs where the band, the band leader is stressing out because he or she is trying to get everything riled up. But if that sub that they ringed in is there an hour early or 30 minutes before everybody else or whatever and helping out and, you know, loading things in and just being helpful that way, they're going to remember you because that's just a nice human thing to do. I have a few more as well, but I won't take them all. Uh, what do you get, What about you guys? Well, for me, I already mentioned the jam session thing. I think that's a you know, that's kind of one of the nice things about being a jazz player is the jam session is a is a given place to go and network. But I think another thing that we take for granted is going out and supporting live music. You know, if you're in the crowd, if you show up and you're supporting the community of musicians, you know they're gonna they're gonna see that you care. But also you're you're going to be in everyone's mind, right? You're someone that really cares and comes out and supports and is a part of the music scene, both on and off the stage. And I don't think that we always do that enough as musicians. Ben, you got a hot tip? Yeah. So my hot tip would be, specifically if you're trying to network for a certain type of gig or a certain gig, to try to get a lesson with the guys that are in that group. And then if you do get a lesson, come prepared to like sound good in that lesson <laughs> so that you can start to develop not only like contact with them, but then you can develop trust and they know what kind of player you are and whether or not they would want to ask you to be a sub or something in, in that instance. I want to add a little to that and that's be prepared to take more than one lesson. Because people know when you're a new person in town and you take a lesson with someone so that you can kind of get worked into the scene, they know you're doing that. Some people are okay with that. Some people are not. So be prepared. I mean, they're in a scene that you want to be in. They, there's a likely, It's likely that there's a lot for you to learn. So just be prepared to actually take that in. Like Come, from, come at it from an honest viewpoint that you are trying to learn from someone who is doing something you want to do. So don't just be prepared to do, take more lessons. You might not have to. They might be really uh, happy to have you. Uh, you might fit right in and they might just start calling you, but but be prepared. Definitely. You know, that's that's a great point, Derek. And, you know, going back to what you said earlier, humility. You know, I, I know people that have shown up to one jam session and then they get mad and frustrated because they don't get immediately called for a gig after that. And it's this idea of instant gratification. Like it's it's it takes time. You know, people want to see see who you are as a person. And if you're showing up, getting up there, and, and it looks like all you're doing is just trying to hustle work, 
you know, it can leave a bad vibe or leave a bad taste in people's mouths. So, you know, just support, like support the community, show up, be ready to learn, play your best, but be ready to learn and understand that, especially if you're in a new scene, you're not going to get gigs immediately. It takes time. It takes time. And on top of that, that instant gratification thing is so real. I would say, you know, why are you there? You got to ask yourself, what's your purpose for being there? And again, going back to that fundamental statement, networking is building relationships. If you want, 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 and take, 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 but don't show your dues or learn to get to know people and enjoy the situation. It's never, it's, it's going to be a long road before you get called for something. Um, at least from my experience, not just by watching people as well as just, uh, being part of that scene. Yeah. I mean, you want to, want to be honest. And I would like to add people love, love seeing people work and give it their best. When you see a go-getter just humbly trying to work his way, his or her way into the scene and, you know, is working their tail off and just being nice about it and being a good person about it. That, that goes a long way. People love hard workers, you know, and they want to be surrounded by those people and work with those type of people. Honesty is the best policy. Yeah. As they say. Yeah. And Oh, be a badass on the bandstand and humble off the bandstand, you know, you always bring the fire on the bandstand. Play with as much passion and as much uh, effort, maximum effort, if you will. And then off the bandstand, you're the nicest, humblest guy in the world. Always keep that in mind. You guys got another round of hot, uh, hot yeah, let's, tips? Yeah, let's go another round. All right. We kind of talked about showing up early, and this is goes with that one, and that's show up warmed up for whatever you have to play if you have to play a bunch of scream and stuff be warmed up to play scream and stuff such a good point if you're playing an orchestral thing be warmed up for orchestral things if you have to play a grueling face killing long set be ready to play a face grueling long set and don't show up and warm up at the site <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Show up warmed up. If you need to do a little bit of warm up after, once you get there, you're likely going to have a drive. That's fine, but be somewhat ready. You're you're the king at that. I'd say uh, you're you've always been good at that. Uh, coming prepared, warmed up, and all that stuff. I think with those mountain gigs, what's the longest time you've been hanging out <laughs> prior to the gig? Wow. And uh, just, six you, hours. The, you've told me some good ones. Yeah. So, warm, warm up at like <laughs> uh, 10 a.m drive up at 11 get there at three <laughs> play at eight nine ten tell us one story that you had uh the craziest veil gig that you've ever had huh i don't know i haven't had any necessarily that were all too crazy they're just it's long days because you have to get there early what about that snowcat one that you had to get go up the mount? <laughs> oh yeah, thank you. Well, okay, that's right. There's there's a couple. One, I had to take a ski lift with my horn to the very very top of a ski resort. 
That was terrifying. Did I play that one? I had one. to go up with my horn. Yeah, my horn. <laughs> this is New Year's Eve. My horn, mute bag, stand, fully dressed like in a tux, up a ski lift. And I don't like ski lifts. I don't. I do not do ski lifts. And then we stopped. And I'm like. 60 feet in the air. I did not like that. I did not like that one bit. And then we get done at 1.30 a.m. on New Year's Eve in Colorado at like 13,000 feet and you have to go down the ski lift. <laughs> that was brutal. The other time I had to take, there was a road that was closed up the mountain and I had to take a very low riding car, Chrysler LHS. That's a real junker. It's two, year 2000. And I had to drive that up a dirt road because there was one of those, um, Chris, you would know what it is. It's one of those, uh, Tough Mudder or something like that. Yeah. And so they had all the nice roads. So we had to go up this other road and my car barely, there's a little dip in the road and I barely cleared it. Wow. I kind of had to take a running start and almost got stuck. So that would have been a disaster. But. Oh my gosh. Dude, those are intense. That's that's testament to showing up early. You never know. You never know what obstacles will lay in front of you. That's the truth. Yeah. Uh, What about other hot tips, you guys? So, yeah, this is more along the lines of what not to do, and that is don't burn bridges. And I mean that in the sense that you don't want to establish a bad reputation with anyone in particular, even if you don't respect them because they through word of mouth could end up destroying your own network and slandering your name. So don't burn your bridges and always try to keep uh, on friendly terms, even if you don't like someone. Nice. I like that. Yep. That's, that's so important. People often overlook that one, especially if they're playing a show that might not be, it might not be their favorite and things don't go well or they're having to play with people they don't like or maybe they think they're above it. And then they show it. You show it and you immediately look terrible. Mm-hmm. We've all been on gigs where people act like that and then no one calls them back for anything. Now, uh, what's a... How do you know when you're being taken advantage of that? Oh, that's a good question. Are Are, are we talking like maybe... You get hired for a salsa gig, possibly, and then they tell you, hey, we have another place for you to play. Do you want to do it for five more dollars? Um, no, that <laughs> wasn't what happened. They said, we won't pay you at all until you go do this whole other show. <laughs> that's right. This is a real thing oh, that happened. Boy. Yes, it did. Oh, and man. What time did we come back home? Three, uh, four. Something like that. It was bad. Oh, that was terrible. Was, we had to wait an hour. We played a show, had to wait an hour. Then they said, "We, you don't get paid until you go do the next show. And we're like, what show? And they're like, the next show that you have to do. No one told us about that show. And it was at a different <laughs> venue. Oh, yep. <laughs> about yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 miles so away. So we had to drive uh, there, like that. play a whole nother show before we got paid. And oh, we were supposed terrible. to be paid. And we only got... I mean, we were told that we were getting this money for one show. We had to do two shows over like five hours. Anyway, that's a, it's a good question to know when, how do you know if you're getting taken advantage of? And I think that really goes 
there's a few factors. One is, do you have a, a relationship with this person, the person that is hiring you? Because if you do, you, you're going to know if they're taking advantage of you. And hopefully, if it's a good relationship, they're not taking advantage of you. That doesn't mean that maybe they might not know they're taking advantage of you. And depending on the situation, you can talk to them about it or you might have to suck it up. And that's part of it is, depending where you're at in, the, in whatever scene you're in, you may have to just suck it up. And part of it is also, you know, again, going back to the kind of person you are. Are you going to be the person that's going to blow up, make a scene in front of the other people in the band? Remember, they don't know anything about, they might not know what your situation is coming in if you're a sub, let's say. So they might just see some sub coming in, throwing a fit to something that might be completely normal for them. So you in i would say in most situations unless it's going to cause an actual issue for you then you might need to just suck it up do it and keep in mind next time you get that call what's going to happen and if that's worth it to you so that's my two cents yeah yeah and on top of that i'd say talking with the band people before, like during intermission and seeing what you know get a little bit more insight on what the gig is also just laying down what's expected from you when you get hired. Gosh, I, I remember the scariest moment I got hired from uh, the CJRO. The first time Art called me, he goes, he's all like, can you play this part or not? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, yeah, I looked over the music a bit. It looks pretty standard to me. So like, okay, good. Cause I'm not hiring people that can't play this music. Can you play it or not? He asked me again I love that. and very stoic and very straight <laughs> to the point. And if you guys have ever met art, he, he, he is like that up front, but he is a sweetheart of a man and he's professional, you know, and <laughs> show up to the gig. And I play the part, and he's uh, he's uh, he turns around at the bandstand. He looks at me. He's all like, "This is during the dress rehearsal." He goes, "Well, we'll uh, we'll see if he wants if if I'm gonna hire you back. Uh, th- this is how you'll know, though. You'll get a solo at the end of the concert if if, <laughs> if you're good enough. And and this is during the dress rehearsal. So the whole time." And talk about just being prepared and being willing to do it. But it was kind of fun too, you know, and. I got the gig. Uh, he gave me a solo and I sold for a couple choruses on the blues or something like that. And it was fun. It was, it was a cool experience, but just knowing your limitations and then set, having them set prior to the gig is really important. Mm-hmm. I'd say I have another hot tip. Something I've done in the past is when I've been asked to throw a band together for like a really easy, you know, chill, relaxed gig, no pressure. I'll hire some new guys in the area that have a good reputation, but I may have not personally worked with and I'll use it as a chance to, to get to know them and, and just work with them professionally. So I'll, you know, put the line out there and, and, and hire them and see what happens. That's a good one. On top of that, pass the flame, pass the baton, you know, David, I think you said this earlier where it's like, I'll hire my friends, you know, I think it's important to, you know, say uh, you can't do the gig. Okay, cool. And or somebody approaches you and calls you and say, "Hey, can you do this gig?" And you say, "No, I can't do it." But I have five other trumpet players I could recommend. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and give them a nice list. Contact information, all contact information. Talk them up too. Tell them like this is what they're great at. The, this guy would be a great professional for your band. And that goes a long way. So say you can't do the gig, but you're being you're being like the networking, uh, what would be a good distributor, you know? You could be the beacon of distribution of networking information. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and in addition to that, many times when I've been used as a reference for gigs, you know, like I'll get a call from, from the band leader and they'll say, yeah, like Miles Roth talked you up a lot. So you said that you do a great job. So, you know, that's another way, you know, if you're, if you're passing it around or like you get called to do a gig, you can't make it. There's a good chance, you know, if you pass that list on, they're going to tell the person they hire who referenced them. Yeah, I really like that. I like to take responsibility for finding subs or at least offering to. I mean, usually I would recommend asking if you can't do something, tell the band leader, I can't make it. I'm going to have to sub out. Would you like for me to help you find a sub? And I like to do that because one, it gives me a chance to get my friend's work. It allows me to control who gets it because you don't want to recommend someone who steals gigs. You know, and that happens plenty often. And knowing who does and doesn't do that is a helpful thing to know. So I like to offer it. Then I can hire my friends. They will give the gig back. It gets them some work. It puts shows the band leader I'm willing to take responsibility. It, it also encourages your friends and just other people in the scene to do the same thing, which will likely get you work too. And that it's just adding, it just adds to the whole community, community effect. So, yeah. What would we call that? Like a community, I don't know, labor pool, (laughs) (laughs) labor pool. Yeah. Union playlist. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Ben, do you have another hot tip? Another hot tip. Yeah, actually, this one I was going to mention because, you know, dealing with COVID this year, I think that it's important to think of strategies to develop for this kind of situation. And that would be like, how do you keep networking going? How do you continue to develop your your network while being limited socially and how many people you can you can even uh, link up with. One of the things that I was thinking about was staying in contact with people through social media and developing my social media presence. And I haven't really done that in the past. I used to be involved on Facebook quite quite a bit in undergrad, and then it just kind of put, put that on the back burner for a long time uh, throughout my graduate programs. And so recently I've been trying to be a little more involved because there's just so many people that I haven't really stayed in, in touch with. And especially during this pandemic, I think it's important to find ways to to stay in touch with those people and to, I think, developing a social online presence can can really greatly assist that process. That's good. I'm, I'm so terrible at that. I think it's just useful to keep in contact with people. Again, just to... I mean, to remember that this is a supposed to be a community thing, and there's a lot of people I only ever saw on a gig. And 
I should reach, I mean, those are the people I should be reaching out to. Not so that I can get more work when this is all over, but to, because I do like them. I just, I only saw them on gigs. And now's a good time to actually maybe establish a friendship outside of music, talk about other things, see what they're up to, learn more about them. Just because, I mean, these are the people we're going to be making music with forever. Exactly. I was just going to add something real quick because it reminded me of something that I think it was Chris was saying earlier. And that is it's, you know, this goes both ways. Networking goes both ways. It's, it's important to stay in touch with people, not only because, you know, you want to be called for a gig, but remember also that you may need, you might need musicians at some point in your life. So social networking is, it's it goes deeper than just in personal reasons and it should go deeper than just your own personal reasons because in order to actually establish those meaningful relationships and in networking relationships it needs to be genuine and the only way for it to be genuine if it's mutual if there's some kind of mutual relationship that's benefiting both people and it could be other things than gigs but i'm just you know it's important to keep that in mind that relationships are are not a one-sided thing reciprocating so something i wanted to add on to this there's a there's an artistic you know we keep talking about the business side of stuff but there's also an artistic side to this you know we see this all the time with you know like miles davis uh john coltrane you know, they weren't using the same people on every single album. You know, a new guy would show up on the scene and have a, a, a new sound and they'd want to work with that guy, you know, because they can envision a project where they create this new type of sound. And the only way you're going to do that, you know, be able to, I guess, search out every possible artistic way for you to create music with people is to network. You know, I'll I'll, I'll add um, inviting people on your musical endeavors. I had Walter Gora just recently asked me to be a part of his big band project that he's doing with Ingrid Jensen right now. And so he wrote a piece and he he asked certain people to play on his piece. And uh, and we did the whole, you know, record yourself, videotape yourself. And he put it into a big video mix and everything and it's it's just fun to be a part of that kind of atmosphere and be know that your friends are thinking of you and it's nice to be just hey i did this this is cool and you know this was so pro bono but that's fine it's cool to do those once in a while you know especially for good friends and that goes a long way and on top of that i'm on that record it's you know, I'm on a I'm on a record with Ingrid Jensen, and uh, and we get to uh, that my name will show up when people look up that that song that he wrote. You know, it, it's cool. It's it's kind of full circle that way in a light, respectful, musical way. Yeah. Does anyone have any other tips? I got one more. Anyone else want to go? Yeah, there was actually just one more thing I wanted to add to something Chris said again uh, earlier, and that was when you are recommending gigs to friends, just keep in mind that when you're subbing out, especially if it's a, a regular gig that you you have, 
when you're subbing out, if you sub to someone who cannot play to the standards that meets the gig, that's going to look bad on you. And so, again, that's going to reflect your own reputation. So just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could ruin both parties if yeah. you choose unwisely. Unless that's your that's your point, that's your the direction <laughs> you want to go. You know, throw a little bit of black <laughs> magic in there and... Uh, that's why I never recommend David. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. There it is. Woo. Now well, it's well, that's out not there. true because you've definitely thrown the gigs. Gracious. <laughs> David, didn't you do uh, this one gig where you had to make uh, farm animal noises once? Is in Fort Collins. Yeah. Would, it was, well, yeah. it was for a children's album. And. and and actually, if you looked at the personnel in the band, it's it was a crazy band. I I'm honored that I was asked to be on that band, even though the stuff I was being asked to do was kind of silly. That's awesome. But they they keep hiring me back. I've actually done four of those now, and it was because on that first record they said, "Can you make some sort of like fish noise on your trumpet?" And I don't remember what I did, but I just came up with something. They're like, "Wow, that's incredible." And so now that I've literally been hired back four times wow. now. Wow. How did you do it? I don't even I don't even remember. I think I I I don't I don't really remember exactly. It was just it was just in the moment. But I mean it but it really paid off because that studio so I, I've been hired to do four or rather three more of those records, so four in total. But the studio has is is hiring me like I'm their trumpet player. Whenever they have someone come in that uh, wants brass, I'm the guy that they hire to come in and record nice. all the brass stuff. There we go. Do you but think you, the you, engineer you, says, Hey, can you get that fish guy? Yeah, yeah I actually I'm pretty sure that is what they what he says. Dude. That's such a great story, they David. They just say, Hey fish guy. You're you're memorable that way. It's it's cool. It's unique. It's fun. Um, well that also goes into that humility thing. You know, not being you know, they I'm sure they knew that that was an odd request and you didn't get this, you know, high and mighty I'm uh, I'm a blah blah blah. I'm this this is these are the kinds of gigs I normally do. You, you know, you said a fish. Uh okay. Yeah, I'll try to be a fish and you just go for it and look what it did. I mean, you got a few more records out of it and a few more calls. So, I mean, that goes to show you. That's, and it's a great band, apparently. So That's awesome. So, I've got another one. I only got one more, so I don't know how many more you guys have. So, it's take the gig seriously. Be, and, you know, this seems like an obvious point that you're getting paid to play, take it seriously. But, I mean, really take it seriously. Because you don't know what this gig means to the other people in the band. This could be, I mean, we all have these like dream bucket list type gigs, right? Where it's like, oh, I got to, I get to play in a big band with Gizzy or, you know, whoever. And that's uh, something that's really important to you. And when you see people screwing around on that, you don't like it, right? Because this is something that's very important to you. Well, when you're coming in on a sub or you're playing a church service uh, or you're playing... I don't know, any, like a cover band or something like that, this could be that gig for somebody, right? This could be the gig that someone's been working towards. And if they see you just saying, oh, I'm I'm just going to come in and read the show and I'm a, I'm a first call freelancer in blah, blah, blah city, 
And if they see you acting like that, or or you saying, "Oh, this is this is this music sucks," or "This band sucks," uh, oh, these charts are written terribly. And you know, guess what? Charts are going to be written terribly sometimes. <laughs> but if they see you doing that, that can really dishearten someone and just create negativity, and it can spiral out of control and do all kinds of damage. So take it seriously. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's something that's easy for you, great. Find a way to have fun. And try to just enjoy it, right? I mean, you're just playing music. Try to find a way to enjoy it, but take it seriously because this could be someone's big gig of the year. This is a good transition, actually, into the question I wanted to ask. And that was, how do you toe the line, or rather not toe the line, between having fun and being unprofessional? Okay, this is kind of a, a tricky question. So what, what I what I was initially going to say is it kind of depends on the genre and the gig. Absolutely. I I do think that regardless of regardless, you still need to act professional. But there is, you know, there is a level of showmanship that in certain types of ensembles you are expected to take part in. And I, for me, even though I'm up there and I look like I'm having the time of my life. I may not actually be having the time of my life because I don't I don't enjoy doing like the the funk band horn pops, you know, like the crazy stuff. You ever watch, um, you know, some of those funk bands from the 70s? You got the trumpet players like spinning their horns like it's a, a gun from like a, a Western movie and catching it and then, you know, playing. I'm not a big fan of that, but sometimes you're asked to do a little bit of that. But for me, when I'm having the most fun is when... I'm locking into that groove and I know that, you know, I'm playing the best that I can and that really the best is the, the best sensation in the world is when the section you're in, is just really locking in and everything is happening. And I feel like that has to come with professionalism. Like that, that mm-hmm. doesn't happen unless you're really taking it seriously. I think you learn as you go from gig to gig too. you know, I, th- I agree everything David, you said, but also being observant, to how other people are acting, you know, and taking in all of the good things that you think. So basically what I'm saying is don't follow what Derek does on the bandstand uh, <laughs> because you'll never get hired back. No, I'm kidding. Uh, he's a good example. You, you want to, uh, you want to check out, I mean, you'll know once you get to the bandstand <laughs> who the guys are. instantly it's it's almost like it's it's impossible not to know and then you observe you check them out uh and then you try to you imitate i mean it's like a full circle thing with in a music sense but uh with with professionalism yeah i think that you should try aim to look like you're having fun all the time when you're playing and yes the the way that's going to look will be different if you're playing a fu- with a funk band than it will if you're playing with an orchestra but you can still look like you're enjoying yourself either way mm-hmm. and as far as that and you know you're not always going to be enjoying yourself you might sometimes you're going to be mad sometimes you're going to be scared sometimes you actually will be having fun but either way you should look like you're enjoying yourself and on top of that and one of you guys said it, you know, look around. What are the other people doing? Now, this can get you in trouble if you're playing in a club or for a wedding and people are drinking things, drinking adult drinks. 
And that's something where you have to really know yourself, know your limits. Do not drink too much, especially if you're subbing. If you play in the band regularly and you know everything and you're just having fun with your friends, whatever, you can do whatever you want at that point. But if you're, especially if you're subbing, if you want to have a drink and you are capable of having one drink and it's fine, then go ahead, do that, relax. Do not lose control, even if everyone around you is going and getting hammered. You can't do that. Like, you have to take care of business. <laughs> Don't do it. You have, you have to take care of business. I mean, there's all other reasons not to do it. Like, you got to drive home. But, uh, you know, stay in control. Try to have fun. Read the room. There's, you know, I've been in bands where I've subbed on bands where no one was drinking and a sub was drinking and ended up drinking a lot. And no one else in the band was drinking. And, uh, I mean, because the other person drank too much, they didn't look great. And if you, especially as a sub, are just getting hammered, or let's say it's an open bar, or, I don't know, a buffet or something, and you're going crazy, you eat too much, you feel sick, you drink too much, you feel sick, or you're clearly drunk and you're getting sloppy, you're not going to get hired again. It just doesn't look good. Mm-hmm has nothing to do with playing either. It has everything to do with all the stuff. Right, it's just, it's a, mm-hmm. again, it's professionalism. And I've been in situations where, uh, I, I think it's just a good rule of thumb. If you're, if you're going to have a drink, and sometimes, especially like these wedding gigs, like what Derek is saying, you show up and it's hours before you have to play. And so we'll, you know, we'll go re- grab a beer from the bar. Rule of thumb go to the band leader or band manager and just say, would it be problematic? Just ask, would it be problematic if I grabbed a beer from the bar? Because, especially weddings, many times the venue you're at, they will not allow vendors to drink alcohol, and it's an automatic termination of the contract. Um, And the band technically counts as a vendor. So I've seen bad crap happened over that and and it was just innocent guy went up and got a bud light just you know killing time and you know the 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 wedding planner sees that you know sees him on the stage with a beer and i mean all hell breaks loose like it, it can be a really bad thing so just just as a rule of thumb even if it's not a wedding gig just any kind of gig you show up to if there's a bar and you want to get a drink you know fine but ask first if it's okay because there's also just bands that have a no drink policy. Good point. So, Ben, unless you ask something, I have a quick question that we can use to wrap this up. Go for it. All right. So, we kind of talked about when you should start networking. We had a whole bunch of hot tips just in general on how to treat your how to carry yourself things like that. So, I want to bring up something that we all have probably heard and probably didn't take it seriously <laughs> as we probably should have. And that is, you know, if you're in school, the people you are in school with are, it's like a built-in network. And you should be treating it as such. That means be friends with people, be respectful of people, build a group of friends, try not to piss groups of other groups of people off you know that's where you get a lot of this like inner studio rivalry stuff like that or one studio hates another 
studio for some reason and you just have these like little tiny wars going on within a music department and remember if you need an oboe player it might be nice if you know an oboe player from school right and you can use your time in school as an opportunity to build a network and act professionally around people and this is something that happens especially in college because this is a time when people are partying doing all kinds of crazy stuff and if the other people you go to school with start to think of you as oh he's a party guy every if if you call him for a gig he's just going to get wasted or he's not going to take things seriously you know all of these people are going to have certain expectations of you based on your reputation it doesn't matter they're not going to they're not going to say oh well that was in college they're just going to say this guy or this person does not take care of business because i wasn't an ensemble with them. They didn't take care of business this one time, this one semester I played with them, right? So you're kind of always on, right? You, we always have to keep those things in mind. And I was very bad about that in school. And I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was mean to people, but I don't think I was very warm. I wasn't someone that people wanted to just come approach and talk to. I kind of stuck to myself. And I regret that now because there's so many people that I could have as a part of my network that I no longer have and I'm not around people anymore right we're not around musicians anywhere near as much as we are when we are in school so do you guys have anything to add or to uh, just kind of talk about that just networking with other students I'd say people ask you to be on their recitals all the time do a good job. It's just being a fundamental rule. That goes back to the taking it seriously. This might just be a gig for you or you're just playing one little piece with someone, but this is their recital. They will always remember their recital it, and they're always going to remember how you played on it. Yeah, it's important, you know. Uh, heck, even page turners get some type of recognition, you know. and But it, it's more or less, you know, in my opinion, what was memorable for me was the help that I got when I needed it. And, and then more importantly, like dishing it back out and then showing that you cared, you know, you may not be the best player, Derek on the bandstand, <laughs> but that's true. If you try, if you tried your hardest and did your best and showed that you did your best, people recognize that. And that goes a long way. Really? At least in my perspective, it goes a long way. I was just going to say, I, I think we've all, I think we all know someone that fits this, this description, but you know, the flake, you know, if you, if you're flaky, you get a name for being a flake. And I think that we all know some people that are incredible musicians that are just not reliable. They're, 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 they're forgetful. You know, they don't write stuff down in their calendar and they, they just, you know, you show up to the gig and then they never show up. You know, so don't be that person because it's it's hard to shake that. Like once you get make a name as being one of those types of people, it's it's hard to break that. Yeah, I mean, I'll just make this quick. But one thing to add to all of that is rehearsals. You know, in in school, when you're in the school situation, they can become mundane, and it's easy to not treat them seriously. 
or to be unprepared coming into a rehearsal or even to just act casual in rehearsal and those kind of distractions and reputation that you can create from from doing those things not only are going to affect the people and the way they think around you but also the ensemble instructors you know the the professors and if anyone were to ask that professor hey you know you you direct the orchestra is there a trumpet player that you would recommend for such and such gig you know he might not say your name if if you are coming to rehearsals and just not treating things seriously so you just have to remember that there people are always watching and always listening and being professional and just being a good person in as many situations as you can is going to help your networking, your career, your relationships. It's just important in this line of work where things are just so interconnected. Yeah, that's a great point. And when you know when you're doing a hundred rehearsals over the course of however long your school schooling is with the same people in the same group, they have a lot of time to form a picture of you and what your reputation is. So remember that you you always have you need to show show up prepared. Rehearsals are gigs. You know, it w- once you get out of school and you get a gig and you have a rehearsal, the rehearsal is also the gig. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. That's the first gig because if you just totally eat it and aren't prepared for that rehearsal, they might find someone else before the gig. And the rehearsal usually doesn't pay. So so you know, keep that in mind. So, do you guys have anything else to add real quick? Yeah, I just thought of another hot tip. Uh You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about, like, jazz and commercial stuff. But, you know, another thing that you could use to your advantage on the classical side is take auditions. I mean, with the intent of to win the audition, but, you know, every time you go to take an audition, you're going to be standing there in a room full of more than likely great trumpet players. Yeah. So, you know, that's another chance to to meet people. Same with competitions. Don't be a stranger. That's another one I regret. I really regret. Um, Same with uh, just conferences, ITGs, NTCs. Talk to people. Talk to people your age. Talk to people older than you. Talk to people younger than you. Uh, And don't be assuming. Don't uh, go and talk to them with the intent of you trying to help them or something. Just talk to them. Learn about them. Where are they from? They're going to be from a different place than you, a different school, different teachers. And building those, especially in those things, I mean, at conferences, competitions, auditions, you're going to be around other good players, people who take this seriously. So that's a great place to network. Really great place. That's a good mm-hmm. one, David. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of other ones we missed. So if anyone has any that we missed or just questions about what we said if they want if we could elaborate on some of this i'm sure send your questions comments concerns to our email our trumpet life at gmail.com we're on all the socials same thing our trumpet life.com 